Well, guys, you know, I'm really happy that we're all kind of here together. For everyone who's listening at home right now, uh, you can't see us, um, but Pastor Jackie, Pastor Jana, and Pastor Johnny, we are all unmasked. And we are socially distanced really far away from each other. As you can probably tell by the large echo, it sounds like we are all in a cave. So it's really nice to be able to see each other for the first time, like face to face. And we just wanted to take this time to open up our hearts to you guys and, and share some of the stuff that's been on our hearts this year, how we have grown, how we've struggled and um, how God has been faithful. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the MGC podcast, where we strive to go deep into the Christian faith. My name is Alex Portillo, and I am your host. On today's episode, the four pastors, we are sitting down together to have a 2020 wrap up. Just like for most people, this year has probably been the most difficult, the most unique, the most interesting year to date. And just as your work and your life was filled with twists and turns, so was ours. And we just wanted to open up our hearts to you and share with you what this year has been like for us. We hope you enjoy. In one word, describe what this year has been like for you. Growing. Pastor Johnny? Teeter-totter. What about you, Pastor Jana? In one word, how would you describe this year? I get to qualify the word when I'm done, but I did choose a word for you. Are you ready? It's, it's actually, it's, it's a noun. This word, I would, it's best I can do. Soar. Now, I don't mean flying. I mean like... After a workout where you've grown some muscles or you feel really good, you're sore, but you know it's for growth. You also get sore after you've been injured. And I feel like all of that has been true. I feel at the end of this year, I feel sore and in all the good and bad ways. For me, um, I would say the one word I would choose to describe this year would be kind of like Jana's. It would be tight. I work, I work out a lot and of course there's soreness to that working out, but at the same time, after that soreness, there's just this tightness that needs to get worked out. And I feel that this year has made me sore and now I'm tight in many ways. And I feel like I need something to like relax me <laughs> to, to help me um, release all that tension. What was it like to become the lead pastor in 2020 and have half the team change? You know, Pastor Rick did a phenomenal job of transitioning the team to his departure. And so becoming lead pastor, A, was a surprise, but not um, the transition was pretty seamless because of the way Rick transitioned out. But the night that we got the call to, to uh, invitation to be lead pastor was a very emotional night. It was unexpected, and uh, it, was, it was a moment of just pause. 
knowing that the team would change was also something that was not unexpected. Knowing how the team would change um, in the sense of who would come in to, to be a part of this team was probably the biggest unknown. But the one thing this church has always been, its leadership has always been, is a praying church. And so as we continue to pray about who would come in and what would happen next, it was never a question about whether or not they would be the right fit or the right, or the right person. It has been a growing nine months. Well, you guys have only been here six, but it's been a growing time. How about you, Pastor Jana? Uh, what was it like for half of the team to change for you? So I have to point out on these uh, questions that Pastor Alex warned us about, there's two labels, and there's old guard and new guard. So I just have to point out, evidently, we're old, Jackie. Old, old in New Testament way, as in it only enriches and makes the new more full. Uh-huh. We could go more into that, but it's a little good, too good pastor Good try. Good try. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will also point out that he says, please be honest, which unfortunately I am to a fault, or fortunately. So I will start by saying how extremely um, hard hard it was to to say goodbye to my mentor and leader from being that daily presence in my life. Um, it was comforting to know he is still nearby, but he was always going to respect the boundaries of what it was to work with this church, and we knew as soon as he left that he was going to respect those boundaries, and I, I didn't have that, that person, that backup, that voice anymore. And then to lose my closest colleague, David, we, the things that we had all been through with Pastor Jackie too, but Pastor Jim and pastors before that, unparalleled in my life, unequaled to things we had weathered together, that they are people that I, I trust explicitly, implicitly, all the things. To lose that all at once was, was and is still hard. Um, when, when new challenges come up and I miss their voices it, it has not been easy. Part of that is also knowing we got, I mean, watching how God worked, bringing the two new pastors was incredible. And we have two incredible new pastors. And there is no substitute for time. So for this team here to get to that point, our only option is to continue to work together and take the time. And Sometimes that's tiresome. Sometimes it's, I, I, I wish we knew each other, knew each other's reactions, knew, knew what somebody else would think, knew how it would go. So in a, in a year that has been so much unknown, to have this team have so much unknown has been a huge challenge. And that's not all bad. I mean, my motto with my family, my kids, and myself this year has been hard is not bad. Having to do things the hard way does not make it a bad thing. I, there's a lot to enjoy about getting to know new people. There's a lot of growth that needs to happen, and it can be painful, but having new voices come in and point out things that need to change can, can hurt a little when I was a part of those things in the first place, and it allows us to look at them from that new perspective, and I think it's been good. One of the really hard things has been my my love my deep love for this community and to only be able to tell you two the two new ones what it is 
I can't show you my community. I can't show you the amazing things. We just have to tell you about how it used to be. I want to show you this community and what has made me stay for nine plus years now. It is funny to have gone very quickly from one of the newest pastors to the oldest of the pastors here, not in age. I'm going to point that out real fast. What you trying to say, Deanna? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I said it pretty clear. I, it's, it's a, it was, a, I mean, a moment of a switch. I was the second newest. There were two that were here longer than me and many before that to suddenly I am the, the most experienced at this community. That was a big switch. And it's just interesting. There's been a lot of good. I would never want to, um, to downplay that. Um, we needed growth. We needed to look at things. And it's so easy to be comfortable. There was so much we were comfortable with before um, that may not have been the best. The best for everybody. It was just the easiest for everybody. So I am working towards being focused on the thankfulness of the chance to improve and grow and maybe be a community that's more welcoming, more loving, more caring, instead of, instead of a community that's comfortable together. Pastor Johnny, uh, you and I have the privilege of being new pastors in the year 2020 in a large community. What was that experience like for you? Leaving a congregation, starting at a new church, a large church, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, so uh, recently I watched the first couple episodes in the Netflix documentary series, The Last Dance, which is really talking about Michael Jordan, right? One of the greatest um, American basketball players of all time. You know, those of you who know much about the story of Michael Jordan know that like in high school, he wasn't necessarily all-star basketball player material. I think there was one year he didn't even, you know, make the cut on the team, maybe even his senior year. But then he goes to college, and it's playing college ball that he really, he begins to shine. Still, he's not the first rookie picked. I, I imagine that transition into college and what that must have been like for him playing college ball. So here I am. I'm, I, back in 2018, I start feeling this call to discipleship that, that opens up in a pretty amazing advanced uh, degree opportunity for me. And uh, really, God opened doors in this way, and I'm focusing on discipleship. I'm doing all these things. And Heather and I had accepted a call uh, at the beginning of 2020 to another church um, across the country um, where I would be working in a discipleship position. And then because of COVID, that call disappeared. And uh, also because of that call, I had chosen to step out of the Oregon Conference, um, obviously, to move across the country. And the Oregon Conference had been making cuts. And so... I didn't know where, if anywhere, I was going to go in pastoral ministry. And of course, Heather and I, you know, really made that a matter of prayer. And it was a, a question of what, what comes next. And then David Smith gives me a call and says, hey, Johnny, you know, we're thinking about, you know, with some transitions that are happening here, you know, what, what's going to what's going to happen at Meadow Glade. And this is kind of the position that we're thinking of for, for this associate pastor position and, and really focusing on, on Bible studies and prayer and, and, you know, helping people really experience Jesus more deeply. I was like, David, you know that that's like what I'm getting my doctorate in, right? And he was like, oh no, I'd forgotten that. 
I think time after time throughout this year, and that, that story goes on talking with, with Jackie and seeing how God had, had led to the discipleship position here at Meadowglade, talking with, uh, with the conference and the team, uh, coming in um, here and then being ordained, all of these things happening this year, um, it really felt like stepping into college, um, into college ball, so to speak, in this thing that I'm really passionate about, you know, like Michael Jordan did. And yet, another thing about the college experience is that even when you're doing something that you love, you still have to walk into the cafeteria and look around and hope that someone is going to say, hey, come sit at our table. And I've definitely experienced that here in two ways. One, uh, because there's a lot of faces that I don't know, a lot of sets of eyes that I don't know, and the masks make that more difficult. And so it kind of heightens the cafeteria, the, the school cafeteria experience. But secondly, that this has been a very warm cafeteria and that there have been so many tables where I have been invited to sit down, where, where I have colleagues, whether it's the other pastoral staff or our elders, our, our Sabbath school teachers, people who come alongside me, the principals who invite me you know, to journey with them. And it's been such a privilege to sit at the table with them as I'm getting to play college ball in an area that I'm so passionate about. I think one of the most difficult parts for me coming into this community is the way people perceive me. I think back when I was uh, in my previous position, I was the lead pastor of a church for five years. I was a chaplain of the academy at that same time. I was the chair of the youth advisory council for the entire province. I was essentially the youth director for, for my region. People respected me, people knew who I was, no one really questioned who I was as, as a pastor. And then to come into a new community and to have that taken away from me. And, and this is not a criticism, it's just, it's natural. People don't know me. To have people say, can I just call you Mr.? Or to have people just call you by your name and not recognize your profession. Not that I want to be called pastor, like I'm not that I'm demanding it, but as a pastor, you can tell when people call you by your first name because they don't see you as a pastor and because they see you as a friend and you know the difference. And to have people approach me with suspicion rather than with mutual respect especially when they're asking for, my, for, for their respect to be earned in a time like COVID, when it's really difficult. I want through love, through caring for people, through service, I want to show this congregation who I am. But COVID doesn't allow for all those things to happen. And that has been for me one of the most difficult transitions of coming into a new church during this year. It is my desire to be open and authentic while not being able to because of so many natural barriers that are there right now. And I guess this question goes, uh, this next one's for all of us and uh, we can kind of dialogue about it, but we can start with Pastor Jackie. Um, what were the most difficult decisions you had to make this year at the church? 
Um, when to start church outside, when to close church. And we did that before actually the, the state recommended it. What to do with masking, how to have communication about that. How to Remember that moment where we decided to close church for the first time. It's almost normal now. And it was, I mean, in my nine years here, we had closed church three times, like weather related. And what wasn't even a real close because we... Right, we pulled off church in the fellowship hall during that time. Yeah. Um, and it was a great Sabbath. It, un, uh, like that moment, we can't, you know, it's easy to feel almost like these things are blasé now when that was sitting in the office, all of us sitting around going, we have to do this. This is the right thing to do. And we didn't have... We didn't have a state mandate or the conference backup. Like it was, it was one of those times we had to make a call. I, I think, uh, and to be honest, our brains were okay. We can do this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> there was no. There was no. Longer. There was no like. There was no. We can do this for a couple of weeks, and in a couple of weeks, went a couple more weeks. Yeah, I think that's that's been the the hardest part is navigating all of the COVID stuff and keeping people first even though keeping people first sometimes means you do things that they don't want you to do, even though you're keeping them first. some of the most difficult decisions for me have been in how to spend my time. Before COVID, there was no discipleship position even here at Meadowglade. So on the one hand, we all want to get back to that, but I don't know exactly what it was. My position doesn't know what that was. It wasn't a thing. It doesn't exist. And so my question has been, you know, how much time do I spend on big systems? Because we have many members, many people that we need to include. How much time do I spend on one-on-one, on, on intimate groups of, of people, of friends, gathering, seeking spiritually together? What does this look like? How do we, how do we create a, a structure? How do we take, and this is sort of counterintuitive to, to many of us, and I think our culture in this time, but how do we take the, the COVID opportunities how do we take full advantage of them in a discipleship context? Here we have a time when people are spending more time with their families, when, when people um, are desperate for connection and, and community and can only experience it sometimes in groups that are very small, groups of five, groups of three, of four. And all the literature will tell you in discipleship literature, like this is the heartbeat of what church life looks like. So here we have an opportunity when I think about discipleship to grow um, intimate community and intimate groups throughout our congregation. How do I do that? That choice, that decision, those decisions have been the most difficult for me. I think the most difficult decisions for me have been um, whether I plan something for the youth or I do not plan something for the youth. Uh, because the lead pastor will continue to do the business of the church. 
the family pastor will continue to do uh, family ministries things, even if it's virtual, but kids, kids will do it. It's kids play ball. And for myself, the hardest decision was, do I do a Zoom Bible study or not? When I know the kids don't want to come to a Zoom Bible study. <laughs> do I do an in-person Bible study when no other adults can have in-person Bible studies. What can I do and how much can I not do before people thinking to themselves, this guy's actually doing nothing. And that to me was one of the most difficult decisions I always had to wrestle with. Do I, when do I plan something and when is it the right time to call it off? How did COVID evolve your work this past year? Some would say devolve. I'm a people person, and so it means that I limited how I interacted with people. Didn't diminish interacting with people. It just limited how I did it in, in the past. So it meant that I need to be a little bit more creative in how I, I needed to connect with people. It also meant that I had to be choosy when a church member is passing away, do I call and say, sorry, I can't make it? Or do I say, I'll be right there? I think some things are, are, can be done at a distance and still be effective. Other things cannot. And so for me, I, I, I think being there, doing moments of when our church members are having hard moments is important, whether it be life-defining moments, loss of a spouse, birth of a child, those, those are the things that, that we rally around and to lose those things, to lose those connections is hard. I've intentionally just tried to maintain as much as I can uh, with respect to COVID restrictions. Video editing. I, it's obvious, but never in any of my wildest ministry plans did I think so much of my ministry would be around editing, producing, acting in videos. I kind of hate it. I loved Sabbath mornings and seeing my kids here at the church, and I mean all of them, they're all my kids, and talking to the parents and being with the people, and I, that, that's ministry at its best to me, um, the full basement of, of chaos. Con vaguely controlled chaos is my favorite thing. To have lost that this year has been hugely just difficult. And for the replacement to be me in front of a screen, editing. All of you families who send me pictures of your kids doing the activities, sending in videos, you see me and tell me what you saw. Sometimes you send me pictures of my face paused on a screen in not very flattering ways. <laughs> However, all of that is, is what keeps me going to know that this is what can be done right now. And I look forward very much to the day that I am done with it. Here's what I will say as one of the growth things though. Before this, the most video editing I'd done was like to shrink the ends off of a video in iPhoto, maybe drop it into iMovie and do the same level of editing. Like I could trim the ends. That's literally all I could do. 
I realize I can learn things still. It's really made me go, huh, maybe I can still learn Spanish. I, I truly didn't know I had the capacity to learn another language, which is basically what video editing is. I didn't know I could still learn on that level. And I am, it's, it's really challenged my view of myself and what I can still learn and change and grow with. If I can edit video, and obviously I have a lot of growth to do, but if I can go from not knowing how to, it takes me two hours to put it all together once I have all the elements, that's, it, you know, it used, with the beginning of COVID, that was my work week, um, was, was editing video. It was 30 hours. I, I appreciate knowing that about myself. I'm all done now. I often say this in my prayers to God. Okay, God, I've learned. I've grown. Can I be done now? Um, I'd be very happy to be told that this week, all done. You can go back. I wouldn't blink twice. Not, not loving video editing. That's, that's absolutely been the thing. Side note, uh, Pastor Jana's videos are fire. So watch them. <laughs> they aight. They aight. <laughs> Sometimes memeable. Sometimes memeable. So little known fact about me, I am an introvert. And uh, I am actually a really bad introvert. A few years ago, I started to buy books on how to be more charismatic, how to be more outgoing, how to be more likable, because I realized it was getting in the way of doing ministry. People thought I was stuck up or they thought I was always angry or they thought I was conceited. Yes, Pastor Jackie. <laughs> I'm raising my hand because I want to know that one of those books tell you to get that haircut. It, it, it actually did. Because that's me a to... real trendy, hippie kind of haircut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I read these books and I took a lot of the advice I read in these books. And, you know, for the most part, most people can't tell that I'm an introvert, except when I, there's like it slips out and there's like an awkward moment between me and people. But the, the way that my work evolved was because a lot of these th skills that I've learned on how to be more outgoing work best in person without a mask. They, ha they have a lot to do with body communication. They have a lot to do with touch. They have a lot to do with presence. And going to Zoom, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shoot. You know, so that made the work even more difficult. John chapter 1, verse 5 says that, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Where and how have you seen God shine in the darkness this year? Everywhere. Everywhere. We have been blessed everywhere. As much as we have experienced loss this year, we have also experienced gains. I see church members who had been looking for work who now have work. I see church members who are struggling with their families who, because of COVID and being forced into being together more, parents kind of know their kids a little bit better. And, and there's good and bad in all of this, but, but I've, seen, I've seen hope. And, and, I, and I think that, that, that text, the light shine through the darkness, is a beautiful, it's a beautiful vision for us. Think about Noah coming out of the flood and the light shone through the darkness of all those clouds and all that rain, and he knew that the rain had stopped, but yet he did not know what was coming next. I, I think the same thing for us, that the rain may be slowing down, it ain't stopped, but we don't know what's coming next, but we know that God has been faithful all the way through. 
for me this year, light shining in the darkness, I have a new son. That was unexpected and joyful. At the same time, I have a new team that I'm trying to get to know, which is good. This church has four pastors. That is a blessing. We at one time thought we would be down to two and a half maybe, but we have four plus all of the other ministers that we have at our disposal that do work, that, that go out and, and do the work of God, that are not paid ministers of this congregation. That's all you guys working and listening to this, in case that wasn't clear. My wife still has a job. Um, I, can, I can just, personal, my personal blessings, how have I seen, I mean, I can just go on and on. I, I, I think we can just be overcome by the, the 40 days of rain that we think that's never going to stop. But if we believe in God, then we, then we believe in hope. I think if I were to go back and add a different word, it applies here in this question for a one word, and that would be intentionality. I think that is was and is at times in life so easy to float along and do the next thing that's put in front of you. And as a family in this community with kids in the schools, it's always, there's always the next thing in front of you to keep going, keep going, keep going. To have it all come to a halt and then have to ask, what do I miss? Why do I miss it? And how do I do it on purpose? And that applies to my relationship with God as well. When I no longer have, you know, the for a little while, you know, going to church, didn't have that. Many of you listening to this still don't. Why do we go to church? Um, I think that's going to look very different at the end of all of this because people have had to ask that question. Is this something that is worth my time? And for me as a pastor to go, am I doing something with my life that is worth other people's time to be a part of? When we have to dissect the church service and we are limited on what we can do and we have to ask, what matters? Why do we do this thing called church? When? I mean, what a blessing to have to get a chance to ask that and really answer it. We've talked, you know, pastors talk about this for years. Members talk, what if we could do church differently? Why do we do church? We should think about this. What do we, we had to, there was no, there was no option. We had to rethink it all and have a reason for it. I would say one of the biggest challenges with that is, don't you, maybe I'm the only one I can ask you guys, don't you want to be able to explain more why we chose this and not this? personally, professionally, it's hard. Everybody, everybody has an opinion. And um, I've had to really come to terms with, I thought I didn't care what people think. I do. And I need to not as much. And I need to rethink that. Oh, okay. Am I doing this because it's the best thing? Because what people will think, do I need to explain this? I have to make my own choices. Um, Leading in this community and having to make choices without a chance. And even, even if I could explain, could I? The what the four of us, five of us do here when we all take a decision, masking, singing, people, how do we address this? Um, it probably is different than any one of us would do. And so what it means to be a team and come together, it's been a huge blessing to have to address things that were just taken taken for granted before and may not have been done the best way. Um, and I'm not even saying what we're doing is the best way, but we've had to ask. And I've had to do that in my personal life, in my family life. What things that I do with my family matter? 
and which things don't and how do we make the things that matter still happen in a way that is doable. Asking those questions and having to be intentional. That's the light that I think God is shining. It's like a winnowing. You know, we did these things and there was good and bad and we all lumped them into one community and and now it's, there has to be choices. And God says, you know, you can, you can shine my light more intentionally now than you could before. And I, I, for me, that's, that's the light in the darkness. And, and having people reach out, I've gotten phone calls, who needs help? When we've put out calls for people needing help, the generosity has been overwhelming. Um, this community and what makes it good is still there, even when we can't see it. And that has been a beautiful thing to see. One of the most impactful things for me um, when I first got here was something Pastor Jana said. Um, and Pastor Jana, I just want you to know, I tell you this all the time. I've never heard you preach a bad sermon. Thank you. <laughs> when you start speaking, I be quiet. I stay quiet. They can't see the embarrassment on my face over this. I'm ducking <laughs> my head. Thank but, you. But something you said um, a few months back that has really stuck with me and um, it has, evo- it has gone through the evolution coming out of my mouth as Pastor Jana once said, and, and then it went to someone once said, and now it's, a, it's as I always say. <laughs> <laughs> Have but, at it. Yeah, but, but I, I need to properly source. It was Pastor Jana who said this, that we were talking about when, when this is over, and then you started talking about we need to stop talking about when this is over, but when we get to the other side that this is not something that just gets turned off like a switch, but it's something that's more like a cocoon that when we get to the other side, we're going to be different and we're going to be changed. Um, So there's not this longing for this to end, but a longing for us to be transformed through it. And I've held on to that wisdom. I'm sure that's much more eloquent than I said it, but I love it. Genius. (laughs) I've held on to that wisdom for the last few months and um, because I've had very low moments being an introvert and just being in my fields, I've had very low moments and I will fall to my knees and talk to God and ask him, you know, get us through like trans, like show me how you're changing me. And uh, that has been a big source of my peace during these times. How about you, Pastor Johnny? Had a young woman, I don't know, 70-something, with some chronic health uh, issues, wasn't able to be involved in church stuff, and then who learned, realized that Zoom meetings she could call into from her telephone. Doesn't have internet, doesn't know how to use computers, you know, all those things. And... Uh, but figured out, found out that she could that she could call in to to one of these you know groups and uh, and took advantage of that. She said as as we concluded that time together uh, that this was one of the most you know powerful Bible study experiences, opportunities growing closer to Jesus that she's ever had in her entire life, and that never would have happened um, if we hadn't had the push to move virtual. A fellow who, just a wonderful soul, really struggling with with doubt, with with discouragement, just constantly. Same same sort of situation. Logging on, uh, gets to plug in and and have new life, spiritual life breathed into his 
very bones into his being. Uh, new members of, of our community here who have uh, started connect groups, led connect groups, developed friendship, found areas in which they thrive, uh, that they had they had never experienced something quite like it before, and they feel home at Meadowglade um, because of that. Uh, people who, in one-on-one -on -one interactions, as I've done discipleship coaching with people, are, are saying, man, like, I feel the presence of God, and I know the presence of God is with me um, with a clarity, with a strength that um, I never imagined before. These, these sorts of experiences are light shining in the darkness. And I don't, I don't even know, I don't know if, if they would have even become visible if the darkness hadn't been here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the MGC podcast. If you haven't done so yet, go to iTunes and leave us a review. Go to our Instagram page, MGC underscore podcast, and give us a follow. These are small things, but they really help us and they help others find us. Wow. It is December 30th. Tomorrow is the last day of the year. Can you believe that? We made it. Even when we thought we wouldn't, we did. And although 2021 doesn't make all these things magically disappear, it is definitely a time to reflect on the goodness of God and how God pulls us through the most difficult times. Well, before we go, I want to read you guys a text. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 through 12. And the scripture reads, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Let us always remember how God has been good to us in the past knowing that God can do even greater things than before. My friends, raise your glasses. Here's to an even greater and better year. Happy New Year. And can I just jump in on a little bit of a lighthearted note <laughs> and say I <laughs> I am going to be very interested to see how in-person meetings go in the future when we're all so used to um how many of us sit and quietly just look at our computer screen during a meeting I've seen you all on meetings I'm saying to people in this room and also people listening we are not staring at a screen. We're doing things with our hands. We're checking other devices. We're Sometimes grading papers. I've seen some of our teachers uh, on our board meetings. I won't name names. Um, it is, 
I wouldn't hate if more meetings stayed Zoom. Can I just say like being able to be home, check into a meeting, do the meeting and then be home. I think we can learn some good things from this. And I think we're going to have a challenge jumping back into in-person and being like, what, you can see everything I'm doing? What? How is that possible? <laughs> I can't just wear my pajamas. Right? <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm, dressed, I'm dressed from the waist up. Doesn't that count for something? <laughs> it's enough. It used to be enough. 